0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the next episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with my good friend Sam Mason, and we have a special guest. <laughs> who, who are you?
1: Say, my name is Liam. Say hi.
0: Uh, say something, Liam. Say something, Liam. Come on. Maybe if we keep the
1: mic in his mouth, he won't say anything for the whole interview. <laughs> the whole podcast
0: will be He's now <laughs> chewing animal crackers.
1: And just something.
0: And that's Liam, everyone. Nice to meet you, Liam. Okay, so, Sam, you, I mean, we've known each other for years. I
1: I don't even know if we've quantified how long we've known each other. How long long we've
0: known yeah. I don't know if we've put it to a calendar yet. Which is probably not a good idea, because it'll date (laughs) both of us. But, you know, I remember sitting down the first time having dessert with you, Yeah, yeah, daddy makes good ice cream and desserts, and now your dad milks cows, which is not what I ever expected, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I remember sitting down having dessert and being perplexed and being provoked to think. You really helped change that paradigm of the way desserts were being looked at by utilizing savory but also rethinking presentation, what works with what, and how to redo things. And what, I think, what venue is this, you think, I'm thinking the first time I really sat down was at WD-50.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that experiment that, that was WD-50. Hey, I'm going to need you to pipe that. That, <laughs> that, that experiment um, was, was so overwhelming. Like it was so intellectually, as, as far as food goes, it was so intellectually free you know, had you know having Wiley at the helm and Fran Derby and all those guys, like it, it, I, I wish everyone. And I should also say this: I, it, this happens more more than not now, but back then it was it was new. It was new territory as far as like, you know, walking into a kitchen and having full creative, just like let's just rip shit up today. Let's just let's just throw things together and hope they work. I, I guess it was kind of like that Elbowy kind of like a linear thing, where it's just like. Overthink everything.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and it was, I mean, it was inspiring what was going on there.
1: Well, it was also it was also great because you had freedom. I had not only freedom, but it, it you know being the pastry chef at WD fifty didn't mean you just you know, made the desserts every day. It meant you and I, I probably came up with more savory dishes than I did desserts in that place because while it was just it just didn't matter. It's like if you have a good idea, it's a good idea. So it was, it was a great overlap of, it was a great way to, ter- to move techniques around the kitchen, which I thought hadn't been done yet, or and it hadn't been done enough yet.
0: I agree. I mean, you, there was things going on there that I still can't, I mean, even though I have the book, you know, and you and I have talked about hundreds of things that have gone on there, like, I still can't process the techniques for some of it, and, and that to me is what was amazing, but the, thing, the key component for everything was that it was always delicious, you know what's even f- what's funnier?
1: What's, all right, here you go. What's even funnier is, um, so when the book, speaking of the book, we all got back together to, to, to shoot the books, to, you know, to kind of execute some of the dishes and get ready to shoot the photographs for the recipes. <laughs> I swear to God, what was it? It must have been five years. No, uh, so it was a decade after I worked there. I couldn't even remember how to execute my own dishes because it's like my brain had totally shut off from... Whatever hydrocolloids and just like these these very specific techniques. So when I tried to shoot it, thank God for Malcolm, who you know was the pastry chef after me. He was there to help me facilitate the dishes <laughs> that I came up with. <laughs> and I really I was just like, I it was just it it was like it was like an era had ended and my brain had shut off. And I, if I had to do it again right now, I don't even know if I could. I mean, it's just it seems like it, it's such an intimidating environment out there with like cuisine like everything's so good now I feel like I would be into I wouldn't I would never have started what we started at WD50 if it was now
0: it's interesting because but I think part of the reason for that is because now there's more access to knowledge than ever yeah you guys I, were creating I, that and pushing those envelopes that, that, that I, I'm sorry can't. Liam did we miss something I, he just he wants to know why these things are
1: so dehydrated and crispy at the same time and why they have no cell structure <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I always I see now, it's, I see, like, these um, hydrocolloid handbooks and stuff, and they have a lot of our recipes in them. <laughs> and I look back, and those manuals are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and more people are contributing, and just, like, it's, it's just huge. It's, like, the amount of techniques that have, have been established. Uh, there was, there, this is one of the funnier stories I have from WD-50. We were, it was probably second year, third year. And we were going for it. We were like, we were having a blast every day. We were coming up with techniques that had never been thought of before. And in, and one night, it was a Friday night at one table. We had Heston Blumenthal with a four top and we had, uh, uh, Albert, Adria. no, no, it wasn't even Albert. It was, his, it was his brother. So, and they didn't know it. They, they, they didn't even like you know, schedule this. They just happened to be at two different tables. <coughs> so we're like, okay, what do we, what do we cook for these people? Like, I don't even, like, I'm as intimidated as I could possibly be. So we put together a menu, and we, we, we thought it over three times. I had, I had a, a, a CO2 tank going into the ice cream machine to make carbonated celery sorbet. <coughs> we, were just, we were just going for it. You know, it was like there was only two tables in the, in, the, uh, in the dining room that mattered. And afterwards, Ferran came in. Well, everyone came in. And Ferran's wife translated. And was, he was saying how much, you know, a good time, oh, everything's great, well, like, you, you know, you, you hope it was. But then he started asking questions about how we did things. You know, and um, <coughs> and Wiley look, was looking at me kind of like, through his glass, you know, just kind of like, well, he's like, do we tell them what, how we did it? I go, this is the only person you tell how you do things. Because he's going to figure it out anyway. Like, well, he we might as well be the reason <laughs> he figured it out. So we sent we him back to Spain with like, a huge bag like a kilo of compressed tapioca maltodextrin and a couple of different techniques and i swear to god the next time we saw those techniques he had improved on them tenfold but it was just funny remembering him not knowing how we did something and us being like do we show him (laughs) he's the one person we show yeah we're gonna we'll run with this one
0: see but that's amazing because you know our industry is so much about creativity and thinking and learning and but also, more so now than ever, it's about sharing, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it's like, it's nice, it's nice for, to, to establish a, a technique and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's so, water, it's so watered down, it doesn't even matter. I'd rather be remembered as someone who did something, like to be a part of something, as opposed to certain techniques and stuff, you know? For sure. And that was probably a John Louis thing. And this whole – John, you see this whole John Louis thing going on now where they're, they're doing a documentary. No. Yeah, I, man, I missed out on it. It was in D.C. a little while ago, and they're putting together – his daughter is putting together uh, – Vivan is putting together a, a documentary about him. She's part of it. I'm not sure how many people are part of it. But it's – I cry just thinking about it. But they're doing a dinner at – there's a dinner coming up. I saw uh, it's like Danielle. It's uh, It's John George. It's uh, Michael Gunor, it's all the you know, all these people in they're putting together a d- Oh, it's a, it's at uh, Tribeca.
0: Oh my god, dude.
1: And uh, I don't know, it's three it's three hundred and thirty dollars a plate.
0: I know, but it's worth every minute yeah, of it. Yeah, I know.
1: Well we we were both obviously highly touched by that human being. That sounded dirty than it should have been. What French, French fries Oh they're the little one. We're gonna we're going
0: I think we're not. We're eating, by the way, so yeah, don't yeah. don't mind but, the. Um, you know what, this kid—if he doesn't eat,
1: he turns on the heat. They're a little warm, buddy. Let's see him. I want to see your face if you eat one. Let's see how warm there.
0: He didn't even get it he to just, his face. He just dropped it. <laughs> 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 oh, we got one. We have a winner.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Good boy. Do you want some ketchup?
1: Oh, we haven't gotten him to that messy stuff yet.
0: No, we're gonna keep you clean because I don't need Tara yelling at me. There's some Yoki for him too. Oh my God, they're so good. So I think when I think about, nope, I, get it. I get it too So hard. let's let's kind of go. Let's bring up Jean Louis. To me, that's that really that's really important. Like you and I have both been fortunate enough to spend time with him. You spent more time with him than I did, and I envy that <laughs> because he really he imparted a lot in us. In the short time that I spent with him, he really ingrained quite a bit but i think give people look at chefs now and they look at us in our industry and they say well how did they get there well what what did they do to get where they are and i think that's really important because a lot of people don't realize how much time we give up yeah and all of, all of, i mean i had a kid at 45 because of cooking <laughs> I, that's a really valid point oh. i mean and i think you know what just kind of give people the 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 short or the long list, however you want to do it, of how you got to where you are now and what you're, you know, to get to now, what is now Oddfellows. And you now own a dairy, you're working with a dairy farm a dairy direct. Farm, yeah. You bought a dairy farm. I mean, the <laughs> last guy in the what world...
1: What's the term, you bought the farm? <laughs> you bought the farm, yeah.
0: The last guy in the world I thought I would be saying is, hey, by the way, anybody want to go watch Sam Mason milk a cow? Like, <laughs> I never thought I would hear that.
1: <laughs> well, there was that one party. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, the John Louis thing for me was, was complete luck. I mean, my whole life has been lucky. Uh, but the John Louis thing, what I just, I just whatever, graduated culinary school. You, if you throw one more French fry on the ground, buddy, we'll, boom, it'll be lights out. Um, we, um, so I just graduated culinary school, Johnson & Wales, in 1994. I moved to New York City, the big city, and I work, uh, first job, right out the gate, I work, for, uh, I work for Charlie Palmer at Oriole. No joke to yeah. start off not, the yeah. No a, not,
0: a, not a bad first gig. That, that's like walking into working. Except with, like, I
1: worked for Dan Rendell, who was the biggest prick ever. <laughs> God, he was so bad. I
0: hope you're listening.
1: He was just like, he was, whatever. The coolest thing about him was he was a drag queen. The worst thing about him was he was a pastry chef because he just was such an, an asshole like he was like the guy who wouldn't he wouldn't give you the recipe to do something he would tell you how to do it so you didn't know like possess the recipe but you'd have to make it every day like he was just he was really how didn't, was that? it didn't and I, it didn't matter I was, I was i was on a cutting board on a garbage can in the basement anyway i left i left there and i i went to uh, i went to um, Park Avenue Cafe with uh, with David Burke and Dan Budd, and Dan Budd was, whatever, the most gracious, glorious pastry chef I've ever worked for. Like, just a sweetheart. If you, will you put that in your mouth, please? Speaking of sweetheart. Just let him. It's okay. We have a floor. <laughs>
0: it's, <laughs> it's all good. He throws floor. french fries. We're okay. We gotta, we gotta, it's not a carpet. We're all good.
1: <laughs> so, and, uh, so whatever. I, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at Park Avenue Cafe for a while, for a few years. I'm sleeping there some nights because it's just you getting your ass kicked.
0: Well, I mean, those were the, those were a different time. I mean, that restaurant was monumental. I mean,
1: you're working 90 hours a week. Like I said, on, you know, some days you just slept there because it didn't make sense to go all the way back to Jersey City to sleep (laughs) on a path train. Um, And then my buddy who I'd worked for, worked with, or it was, he was actually also my college roommate, was like, oh, I'm in Vegas and I'm working at this place called Voodoo Cafe on the top of the Rio Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, can you get me a job? I want to come to Vegas because I'm 19 and it's going to be great. And he's like, he's, <laughs> That's like, scary. I, he's, like yeah, he's like, I could get you a job here, but there's this guy opening up in the ground floor named John Louis Paladin um, who's, who I could get you a job with. I'm like, okay, I'll Google him. So, whatever, I decide that this is what I want to do. I move out to Las Vegas. And I remember the first time I sat down with John Louis, I, uh, I had my sketchbooks with All my desserts that are this architectural nonsense, <clears throat> and he looked at him and he just hated everything. Not a one thing in that book did he like. And he's sitting there. He's in his you know tight jeans, and his uh, he's got his like uh, Versace loafers are just kind of off, and his sock you know his socks are wiggling. <clears throat> and uh, for some reason, I don't know what I said or what right things I said, uh, but I could tell he hated everything that I'd ever made. And he's just like, you're hired. That was it. 19-year-old from, you know, Jacksonville, Florida. He's going to be the pastry chef for John Lee Paladin at the Rio Hotel, Napa Restaurant. And that next, that next two years was just a whirlwind. Just like, you know, we, we were just doing these huge events in the back lot of, uh, of Paramount Pictures where we're just wrapping oysters with caviar and breading them in brioche and frying them. And we're just, it, it was just, it was insane. He was like my father for, well, until the end, and then we came back to New York and we opened up uh, Paladin in Times Square, which just wasn't wasn't a right fit. (coughs) And in those in those years, you know, he, I remember like we would he would, I was a pastry chef and there was a lot of other people in the kitchen, and he would just look at me and go, "Sam, take off your apron. We're going to L.A.," and I would just be like. I'm going to L.A. And I know the, other, the rest of the staff are just like, this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting in the back of John Louis Mercedes with their two girlfriends and going to L.A. and staying, you know, Chateau Marmont for the weekend. And, <laughs> and they're just staying there working. But that's what it was. My girlfriend was best friends with his girlfriend. And he was just like, we were just buds. We would, I would get wasted in jacuzzis and he'd drag me out after drinking a whole bottle of grappa. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> It, it was a different time. It, it essentially was, yeah. It was just that.
0: I mean, he. I would say he pretty much single-handedly changed the, the way food got to the table.
1: Yeah, and the, you know what? The, pro- the only the only problem with that restaurant was it was an open kitchen, and John Louis did not give a flying rat's ass that it was an open kitchen, because he was still going to throw something at his cooks' heads, and still you know, say bad things about their sex life. That's just, he was just. Okay,
0: brutal. what, let's, let's, now let's remember what was the quote, the best quote ever from Jean Louis? Wait,
1: which one are we talking about? If you cook. Oh, have you, no, do you cook like that? Do you, yeah. No, do you.
0: Do you fuck do you like fuck you? Like do you fuck like you cook? I don't because know. if you do. Do you fuck like this? <laughs> he <laughs> no. always had a comment to like stop you in your tracks and be yeah. like, oh shit. Mind
1: you, he's dating a 22 year old. <laughs> um,
0: those were different times. But he also
1: there was also one day where I, I mean obviously he would he would walk in. It, there was a few different parts of John Henry that I remember. I, I mean I remember everything. But he would come in. I he was the first one there every day. Like yep. was, he, he, you couldn't beat him in. It was impossible. Um, you would come in. He'd be on, sitting on the on the carpet in the dining room. We had a carpeted dining room. Who the hell has carpeted dining room? Sitting on the carpet with nine hundred yellow pages of of um, uh, paper, hand, handwritten menus just laid out. And he's just putting together ideas. And the ideas, every page is just gold. And, uh, you know, he, he'd leave. He'd go, he'd go f- to Starbucks and read French newspapers and probably have sex with his girlfriend. And then he'd come back right before service, and no matter what we had planned... He changed he'd it change it he <laughs> it. <laughs> so it's like every station was just like, oh, awesome. So I have another dish on my... Oh, oh, I have to turn potatoes for this dish. Torn up potatoes? Oh, I got to turn up potatoes? Sweet. So it didn't matter. You were never ready for service just because he would come in and be like, Hello, guys. Hello, guys. Okay. No, no good. And, uh, you know, he would, he would just change everything. And the poor sous chef, chef de cuisine, I guess, bless his heart, would just have to deal with this. Um, and, you know, an- another thing that he would do, he would, he would, like I said, he would throw something at your head. He would call your mother, really bad things. And at the end of the night when service was over, it was like nothing had ever happened. He would buy all the guys beers. He'd shoot pool with them. He'd give them noogies. But the next the next day, oh, really? That's what we're doing? We're breaking plates. The next day, you know, the ring, when the bell rang, you're fighting this human being. <laughs> um, he knew how to separate no, the, I the I moment the from... The passion was just like, that he didn't, he wasn't, he was never really mad at you. He was mad at how you did things. For instance, this girl, I remember this girl vividly. She, it was family meal. You know, we made a great family meal. Like there was a lot of good food to be eaten at family meal, but she was so in the weeds. She had a huge thing of risotto to make. She was rolling really, well the weeds. She, it's like an hour and a half before service. She decided just to you know pile a bit of food on our plate and just kind of try to eat as fast as she could. Like, just like, I just need to put some food in me and get back to work. I'm not gonna sit down, I'm gonna stand up. Oh, John Louis doesn't like that. John Louis, I can't quote him on what he said, but the premise was if you don't respect the food that you're putting in your body, how can you respect the food that you're making for other people? And I was like, you're also going to yell at her when she's not ready for service. Like, <laughs> you're not going to win this battle, woman. <laughs> but he was so mad that her plate looked like shit and she was just trying to eat it really fast that he yelled at her in front of everybody. I was just like, good God.
0: I'm glad I'm going to L.A. tonight.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I'm going to L.A. <laughs>
0: So you you were there for two years three, years, three years, and then you moved to New York to open Paladin, oh. and then you were working with you were uh, working with Wiley. You were working no, no. didn't didn't Wiley work there?
1: Oh, uh, we brought yeah. We opened we opened with John, uh, Paladin with Wiley, and then his father uh, ended up with the seventy one Clinton project, and he's like, I got to go. And it, you know, and Wiley Wiley and John we loved each other. They just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of like things. And Wiley just isn't that aggressive in the kitchen and John Lee is very the aggressive. Opposite. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that was ever a match made in heaven. Um, so he left us for 71, which eventually brought me WD 50. Thank God. Uh, but I actually left Paladin cause it was going down the tubes <laughs> and why, and, and, and John Lee was getting sick. Yeah, I actually left for Rocco and, uh, Wiley, I'm sorry, Wiley, uh, John Lee was very upset about that. But uh, I did that, and then I went to Paul E. Brandt and then to Wiley. That was my uh, that was my triangle of craziness. If you throw one more french fry on the floor, my little man. Oh, there it is. On oh, the floor.
0: It's okay. okay. He can throw them. It's I all know. right. Let's try the gnocchi. Oh, dude, gnocchi? eat those. Another form of potato. They're round <laughs> and not fried. You look like a potato. No, nope, you nope. eat that. Watch this. I think he just said my gnocchi was yucky. Yeah. So you oh, just not hungry? And I, think, and I think one of the things that's... People talk about the tyrannical terror and the craziness and whatever. He had more knowledge in his big toe than I could have ever fill a library of cookbooks. and But he was so willing to share it. There was no hiding information. No. And he would only get mad in the moment. He would never... It was done when it was done. Yes, he did hold grudges if you left. Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he wanted you to be part of the family and stick with the family. But he did care immensely about education, next generation, passing the torch. It was big for him.
1: Well, there was a story, and I've heard it from him. I don't know how true it is, but the air repair story when they were, they were together. Eric Repair was a young, young line cook, <coughs> and John louis was John louis I'm assuming this was at the Watergate. <coughs> and John louis was probably a maniacal mess, probably taking women into the parking garage and to his Mercedes while their husbands waited at tables. I'm sure. <coughs> spending when they <laughs> spending, you know, two thousand dollars on dinner. <coughs> but I, the way I heard it, the way the way it was spoken was, you know. Eric finally gave up and was just like, you know what, screw this. Took his apron off, left the line, went to the locker room, going home. You know, sat there for a little while, it seems. And uh, at one point, he's just like, you know, shit. Puts his apron back on, comes back upstairs. This is after a huge screaming match. Puts his apron back on, comes back upstairs. And uh, John Louis looks at him and goes, you ready to cook? And Eric says, yeah, yeah we chef. And that was it brothers you know father and son i guess for the rest of their lives and that's how it was you know he's gonna come down on you you know he hopes you i don't know take it for lack of a better term and came back up and that was it they were they were blood you know they were blood after that. thick as thieves thick as thieves
0: so you've since from that i love this this is so amazing Sam, watching this, yeah. you and this little man right here—it's amazing. He's having the most fun throwing French fries, and it's driving oh, no. you crazy. <laughs> and you're really—it's driving you crazy, yeah. but I love Do you it.
1: Want something that's not a French fry? Like a so, knuckle sandwich?
0: No, he yeah. wants tickle missiles. So, <laughs> one of the coolest things I think was—you know—when you were at WD fifty, you not only worked on savory dishes, you worked with cocktails. You did so many different things. And then you branched out and opened Taylor.
1: Oh, yeah. Taylor, Taylor,
0: Taylor. That was a game changer in you were ahead of the curve. And I know it's kind of a sore subject for I mean, some people. Get, but I think it's really relevant and very important because you went after it 110%. You had a crazy cool bar program. You had – it was you and Francis – it was, it was insane. I, I mean, yeah, I, I ate a, there multiple times and had a blast every time.
1: I had Evan Freeman making cocktails. I had not only Evan Freeman, I had Alex Day. I had, I, had, I had the dream team of... Mix- I mixologists working under Evan that are all running their own awesome programs right now. And I'm just like, hey, you know what the problem was? A, well, there was a lot of problems. We spent way too much money. We were too ambitious. I was drinking too much. Uh, the economy totally shit the bed. And all this was a perfect storm. It was overzealous in all, in every aspect. My partners, me, the way we, my first, <laughs> looking back, my first menu probably had a 45% food cost, maybe 50. Just like not smart at all. Like maybe throw a pasta on there, Mason. <laughs> like figure, figure out, maybe don't do the fog roll with the Piquito crab and the, uh, the, the uh, octopus garden. So yeah, so I think I think what we did there, I'm I'm super proud of it and it didn't make it but I feel like anytime anyone engages me in a conversation about it, it's always positive. You know? It was
0: amazing. It truly I mean and that's where you, Franny and I really became started to become great friends. Was that, you know, I remember coming in there that night, I'm like, Hey bro, what do you need? <laughs> Because it was during, it was literally, you had just opened in Star Chefs. It was the first season, of first Star Chefs, and everybody was piling Oh, yeah, we door. had a
1: party there, I think.
0: Yeah, um, it was nuts. Yeah. I'm like, where do you need me, and what do you need me to do? And I, Franny literally put me to work, like, right that moment. He was like, I need to set hands away. You right. got back at him, though. You've <laughs> gotten back at him. I've gotten back at him. But it was the best, you know? And I think you set a trajectory for folks to rethink what, how to do things, how to look at beverage programs, how to look at what is the crossover between savory and sweet, and really how to do something fun.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's hard. It's hard it's, it, as with WD-50, it's really hard being ahead of the curve because no one really knows how to interpret you. Oh, my God, you're killing me. No one knows how to interpret you. But then after you, you know, give it your all and you finally just can't make it, it comes back around and the people who try it next can get away with it because they're like, oh, there's a reference point now. Now we know how to do this. So every now and then there's, a, there's someone thrown out in the front and sometimes that happened, that happened to be me. But yeah, that, that opening was nuts. I remember there's like, oh, there's a four top out there. It's John George and Bill Murray. I'm like, oh, this ought to be great. And <laughs> I was like, oh, and Michael Stipes on one table. And yeah, it was, it was a fun opening and it was debaucherous. Which probably didn't help the cause, but now I got this guy, so everything's okay.
0: So, you now have you know, let's then, then 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 you started focusing on bars. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. you do, you were doing no, no. Excuse me, you did Empire Mayo. I did the mayonnaise. Yeah, the mayonnaise company was another thing that's just like shit.
1: It's just too hard to be ahead of the curve. Someone finally, uh, you know, Heinz is gonna you know, someone's gonna pick up that slack. Um, no, I, but I had the TV show for a little while. Yep, that's right. The TV right. show was right after Taylor closed because I had nothing going on. Um, so I did this TV show called Dinner with the Band, which was awesome. You know, what's, what's better than you know cooking with Murder City Devils and you know and and, and drinking beer and and uh, and listening to live music. <coughs> so after that, I had a little chunk of change in my pocket because I never paid the tax man. <coughs> and then uh, I opened Lady Jay's. Lady Jay's is rat. Lady Jays is, you know that's exactly what you want a bar to be. It's just like this place where it's like a the cheers for the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn type. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you might not like the people that come in there every day, but you you know, you deal with them.
0: It's awesome.
1: And Liam was there when he was two weeks
0: old. <laughs> and he was ponied right up to the team and they were making a, a milk right <laughs> I think this is amazing. So you you have Lady J's and then you you start Odd films.
1: yeah Mohan my my business partner was like listen he's like I want to start an ice cream company I have no idea how to make ice cream and I'm like alright I can, I can help you out so we go back and forth and you know he's looking for venues <clears throat> and I finally get to the point where I'm just like why don't I just open this with you as opposed to consult or whatever I'm doing you know <clears throat> and that was uh, almost seven years ago over so six years ago and now we have a Dairy farm in Rhinebeck, and let's just sixty-two Guernsey cows, (laughs) all named. Really, (laughs) I don't know when hit the names. Their tags are on their ears; you can just see it.
0: So you have a couple different locations, Brooklyn. Oh yeah, six now. Six. You go to Lower East Side. I've been walked by the other day. You know. um, Just opened Boston last month. Oh, congratulations! And so you're doing these amazing flavors. You're, you know. So give, give kind of like the run of flavor profiles that you're having fun with.
1: Uh, I mean, we've always kind of played,
0: played on the edge,
1: which can bite you in the ass, obviously, whether it's a miso cherry flavor, you know, smoked almond and uh, smoked almond butterscotch, things that are a little more off-putting, I guess. But I think what, what separates us from, from other ice cream shops is the textural elements. Like, um, lemon meringue pie, for instance, is <coughs> a lemon-based ice cream with, like, huge, <laughs> not huge, but big chunks of um, lemon curd and chunks of uh, burnt meringue. Oh, yeah? Uh, did I forget something? Chunks of burnt meringue and then the graham cracker. So it's like, liquid nitrogen obviously helps me get, get a lot of texture. You are losing your mind. You want your water? Um, But we're finding, you know, now that we have this larger facility up in in Rhinebeck, Red Hook, New York, we're finding it's hard to kind of translate some of these flavors to to mass production. So that's where all my time's been lately.
0: Really? So working on, like, consistent... Like, going
1: up there and, like, trying to figure out how to get what I've started in this, you know, little log cabin and make it in this giant... Like, we have... There's a 300-gallon fat pasteurizer up there that's... 300 gallons it's huge and it's like piped through all these two of these stainless steel pipes and it goes through a homogenizer and a plate cooler into a 900 gallon holding tank into m- more pipes into a continuous freezer <laughs> and when it all comes out you're like oh this is a little bit different than what I make well, y- because yeah. mine came out of a bucket went to a machine <laughs> came out like, so I'm just like trying to scale up is, has been an issue
0: what's his favorite ice cream? You know, he's only
1: had ice cream twice.
0: Are you afraid for how much sugar content he gets?
1: I just, I just look how chubby he is.
0: I'm worried about him.
1: Oh, he'll be fine. I mean, Let's He just go, ate a whole plate of french fries and threw a whole plate on the floor. You okay? Yeah, I, yeah.
0: He, he didn't eat a whole plate. He ate about five. All the I rest know, are on the floor. He, what, oh, my God. There are a lot on the floor. <laughs> 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 I love it. So, so talk a little bit about what the change is now for you. I mean, other than just figuring out Matt, like, scaling up to bigger and the ch- flavor changing, you're, you know you're, you have traceability of your dairy. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean,
1: those cows, those cows work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, no matter what. Like, they don't stop. We, there's sometimes we have to, we just throw away milk. Like, it's like, oh, we have 200 gallons of milk. We have, can't use it. It's ready to go. We just,
0: you know, we're caught up. So do you, is that something you can donate to schools? Is it?
1: You know, it, 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 it would be more of an issue bottling it than just knowing that there's more milk tomorrow, you know? Really? Yeah. And it's, it's only happened once or twice, but it's, it's, a, it's a hiccup.
0: That's um, crazy to even and, think about and that. And the
1: cows are, they're their A2 protein. So they have that, they have the A2 protein. Are you familiar with that? Uh-uh. No. It's, um, it's a certain it's a certain breed and type of cow, <coughs> and you know, What are you doing? He's
0: got both fingers up his nose right now. It's <laughs> pretty it. amazing. <laughs> hey, um,
1: Daddy said, do this. Stop that. That's not something you do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're, he's going to continue doing it because you're trying to stop him. <laughs> That's not even the right <sighs> hole.
1: Let
0: <Will> me <you> stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is amazing.
1: You know what? You've never been in such a nightmare before. If you throw it on the floor,
0: he's yeah. hysterical. So what's what is this skin at um, the dairy?
1: It's it's it's, it's a it, it's a type of protein that uh, if you're lactose sensitive, you're you're actually fine drinking. It's like it's really <laughs> it's easier on your stomach than regular lactose. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, and it's something we should promote, and we will promote when we finally do our new packaging, and you it'll be the new thing. when people, when you see A2 milk. That's cool. If you're lactose sensitive, not lact and lactose intolerant, you're still screwed.
0: So. How has it been learning to transition from having to monitor what I like to call our children, which are pl- employees, staff? To, oh
1: my God, There's still more headache than this guy.
0: But now having one of your own, I mean, you've got this little monster here who likes throwing French fries and having fun and wants daddy's attention and he wants to march around with his cool shell toes on. Yeah, he thinks he's cool. It's tough. It's tough to make the change.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been rough. I feel like he's definitely taken my attention away from work, which has always been my life. Um, most women haven't been able to take my attention away from work, and that's how a lot of relationships fail. His mother did a good job of taking my attention away. Then he came along, and now my attention's totally shot. So it's, I feel like, you know, it's like I'm at work, you know, 6, 7, going on in the 8th hour. I'm just like, I think I'm done. <laughs> you know, it used to be like you were on hour 12, and you're like, I think I'm done. Now I'm just like, I'm going home. I'm going to go hang out with this little midget. So he's definitely um, he's definitely impeded creativity as of recently. I mean, it could,
0: it could come back again, but. But it's a, I think what the coolest thing is about kids is it allows you to be a kid again and think a little more freely. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's inspiring. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I spent all day at the damn science museum. That's amazing. Oh, I was playing with them. I was like touching lasers, and I was like, well, this is cool. I might have just had a kid, so I go to Disney World again.
0: <laughs>
1: Dude, that's totally... You just want to go to the new, new Star wanted, Wars. I just want to go to the new Star Wars. again. That's
0: why we did this.
1: We're Um, going to Star Wars. We're gonna go see Jabba the Hutt. I know you don't know who Jabba the Hutt is because you look like Jabba the Hutt. But yeah, I mean, I really, I, I think, I wouldn't say work suffered, but it's definitely, it's taken us a small backseat. You've prioritized. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I don't worry about it at all. I mean, I'm having a blast.
0: You've earned it. I've got a
1: lot of French fries to clean up.
0: Nah, we got that. Oh. He likes tickle missiles, too. He li- you know, he, he likes him some Constantino. He you're likes your watch, I too. know he does. He takes my watch. He's like,
1: your watch is way nicer than Dad's watch. Dad's watch is plastic.
0: No, it's, not. <laughs> no. it's nothing that fancy. So what, what is it, the flavor profiles and the changing, are you finding it a lot more difficult than you expected because you're doing bigger volume now with this new processing? I think it's more the
1: dynamic of the machines, the equipment. You know, when you're when you're... When you're doing a, a continuous batch freezer and it's just and you have in after the batch freezer sorry not batch freezer, after the continuous freezer you just have these inclusion feeders and like ripple pumps they the way they interact with the ice cream when it comes out at the end it just comes out of a one and a half inch tube oh so it's squeezing everything it's just pushing everything out and it, it, it doesn't patting it, me over here it it doesn't he's poking cr- me he's like the Prodding. <laughs> he's prodding. It doesn't have the. Uh, it's not as sexy as when you just adult, when you put it in by hand and you like, but but also putting it in by hand is the most impractical way to do it ever. So it's like, you got to kind of sacrifice that sexiness for that mass production that allows you to generate revenue. Which but is I'm never going to make money on doing the way I do it. No, and I think
0: that's a really big thing that I think people have a difficult talk difficulty talking about is what is the difference between keeping it small. And then growing it and keeping the quality high, but also being able to to financially do well because you can't. I mean, we actually we lose more money than
1: than we you know. It's it's a losing thing. It's not even like I make more money. It's like we can't afford to do this unless we do this scale up. Yeah, I mean that's where we're at. I mean, in a perfect world, I would scale up, and I would you know make you know the lion's share of my ice cream big batch, and I would keep. A few unique flavors that i could that I could not lose money on, but I could lose labor labor money on and really produce in an intimate setting
0: and that makes it I mean also people love to come and watch yeah, yeah I mean uh, to have to have a <laughs> to have a um, a visual production I think is pretty awesome so what has it been like dealing with the dairy? I mean is that just in amazing or is it overwhelming or no no no
1: because because uh, we have a partner who like handles you know it's his farm and he handles all of that like that's his thing he's he's awesome i can't wait for you to meet van he um he's a uh he puts all that on his shoulders so it's like not necessarily part of something we have to really deal with <laughs> we get to see the cows we get to hang out with them i get to make ice cream at the factory but for the most part you know we have we've got people on the farm who deal with all of that and it's it's a lot of work like that that thing that, are you banging your
0: head? Mm-hmm. He's banging his head. Chairs that, are padded. for
1: yeah. the, the, the farm itself is its own monster of a machine, like sixty-two cows, like being robotically milked every day. That's a lot. And feeding them, and it's just—it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. It's a, it's so you I'll also, what, it's you sixty-two also
0: times four is how many moving legs it is. Oh my God, that's a lot. And you also mentioned that there's some things going on up there as well. That still, that there's a, uh, a a drive-in theater still.
1: Oh, yeah. We're, well, it's a, it's a walk-in theater. Walk-in Yeah. Theater. We're, uh, we're doing a, a hamburger, like a, a greasy hamburger stand in, in Rhinebeck. Nice. So it'll be like this, you know, onion rings and milkshakes and malts. And, you know, you pull up this little parking lot, but in the back, there's going to be like this huge screen, and you can just come and drink beer and watch movies on a, a large screen, but it's walk-in. It's not drive-up.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun. And it's, it's been there for years. Like, it's, a, it's, a, like, an, it's, it's like an old... You know, it's got the angle roof. It's got the big sign outside that's going to be changed to Oddfellows, and it's going to be really retro. You know? That's cool.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to see. G- that's magic. I want to
1: go make corn dogs for a little while.
0: That's cool. That's, yeah. that's great. All right. So I think this one is at his max. Oh man, he's losing it. You need to eat, but I want to. I'm going to do a quick fire. Okay, and we're going to do this real fast. Yeah. Okay, ready? Red or white?
1: Oh my God, red.
0: Okay. I don't know why I said that. Sashimi huh? or nigiri? Oh, sashimi. Hot dog hamburger? A hamburger.
1: Okay, bourbon tequila? Bur- oh, oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> 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 you knew it. Are we talking summer or winter?
0: <laughs> there are no random answers.
1: You know what? Yes, last year I would have said bourbon. This year I'm going to say tequila.
0: Okay. Beer or cider? Beer. Coke or Pepsi? Uh,
1: Coke. What is Pepsi?
0: I don't know. I heard it's this product. <laughs> Chocolate? Fruit. Fruit. You
1: I, act like I passed the test. That, that, that's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me like, good job. No, no. There's some real losers in that one. For yeah, me. there are. Beef or pork? Pork. Nice. What was the red or white? <laughs> wine oh i didn't even i didn't even apply that to wine when you, said it. <laughs> you like red color <laughs> uh, uh, so sam I, you, you know like what? to wear red That's I, nice. you know what i would have said white wine i okay. said red color okay <laughs> You're Red
0: or red okay white.
1: i should have known that was a wine question so. i should have said rose
0: <laughs> <laughs> both both cuvee <laughs> cuvee awesome hey dude thanks for doing this i appreciate it hey liam do you want anything else to say Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) He's adorable. He's super cute.
1: Why would you talk if you don't have a microphone in your mouth? Okay. All right. Bye. All right. We love you.
0: Well, guys, everybody, make sure you check out Oddfellows. You can order ice cream online. It can be shipped to you FedEx. Sam's got some amazing flavors out there, and there's a lot of info to share. And Liam right now just wants the big red (laughs) puffy nose that's on this microphone. What do you want? What do you like? What do you like, little man? Tequila. <laughs> <laughs>